You have put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise. A sound that resonates that all of heaven and earth may worship you. We tread the hills to meet with you, to see your majesty in all that surrounds us. For it speaks and displays the eternal God of ages, creator, author, victor. In love, you established an everlasting covenant with your people, and it's your love that captivates us. As children of the King, we rush in as waves unrestrained, overcome, overwhelmed, that the King crowned in glory and splendor would reach down to place a crown upon our heads. So we raise our banner, the banner we boldly stand under, the banner of Jesus Christ. From dusk to dawn, from age to age, your praise resounds in all the earth. Deliverer, Redeemer, ruler of an everlasting kingdom that cannot be shaken. We trust in the name of Christ Jesus, the only King forever. Welcome to Zion's Redemption Radio. This is Fundamentally Mormon. I'm your host, Mark Lichtenwalter. The guest call-in number is 917-889-8827. That's 917-889-8827. You can find this at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And the text will also be posted on my Facebook wall at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977. You can also find the text and the audio to this radio program on iTunes at Fundamentally Mormon and in the different Facebook groups that I am an admin of. Some of those groups are LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, LDS Gospel Mysteries, Latter-day Unity, and others. You can find the pages that I admin also on my Facebook wall. And if you enjoy this program, please friend, request me, or follow me, and uh, make me one of your close friends. We try to put out as many episodes as we can during the week. But I'm thankful for you to be here today. Let's get right into the reading today. We are going to be reading out of Ogden Kraut's books. You can find his books for free to read online at ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And today is August 26th. 2021. Uh, we are starting a new book today called The United Order by Ogden Kraut. You can read that book for free in its entirety online for free, like I said, at ogdenkraut.com. Once you get on the main page, click on Read Books Online or Read Ogden's Books. It's actually two different things that you can click on and uh, you can read the whole book. We have posted the text to the reading tonight 
at facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z-U-R-U-S 1977, as well as Zion's Redemption Radio Network, which is a page on Facebook and Zion's Redemption Bookstore. And you can also join the conversation at uh, on Facebook at LDS Gospel Mysteries and LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions, as well as on blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon uh emma do you have the chat room up for that yep okay good all right um i'll dedicate the program and then uh we i pre-recorded the reading for the program today just to try to help out with things i am driving a semi-truck so um I I can't read while I'm driving. So, um, but okay. So we're doing chapter the preface, introduction, and chapter one of United Order tonight. And then, uh, if we have any phone calls, then that's great. Uh, the the guest call in number is nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven. And uh, you can also ask questions and make comments in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally mormon but then after that we're going to be doing i pre-recorded um so i wanted to do a book called uh, uh sermons and writings uh which is a bunch of really good talks from way back in the day from like i don't know the millennial star and like a whole bunch of other publications from the church and uh, usually stuff between 18, uh, well, the first one actually is 1833. It's a revelation that Joseph Smith received that's not in the Doctrine and Covenants. But um, there's some other things, too, that I wanted to uh, uh, put on there. One of my favorite, absolute favorite writings of Oliver Cowdery. It is so awesome. Anyway, I pre-recorded that as well, so we'll be listening to that tonight as well. Um, and then uh, we'll just take calls uh, in between the, the pre-recorded stuff if we have any. So, all right, I'll dedicate the program, and then we'll get right into the reading. Uh, well, first, uh, is there anything, does anybody have anything? Uh, I just wanted to um, say that kind of time-sensitive question about the carry-ons and the bag stuff for, I mean, we're still doing that right now, and she is at the point where they're talking about those, so I just have some questions. I can ask you online or on air or not. Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, so uh, just so people know what my wife is talking about, that's Kimberly, by the way. Um, yep. Her um, father... Um, got killed in a head-on accident with a log truck in North Carolina on Monday around 1.47 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And so we are going to the funeral in North Carolina next week. And I am definitely terrified of flying for personal reasons that I have experienced that I don't want to talk about, but we're going to go anyway. And uh, so I haven't, like, I haven't flown since 2000, 
2012, and Kim hasn't flown, I don't think, since 2013. Yeah. So I just need to I need to ask you the question. Um, so she so she is trying to get the flights for us right now. Um, but they want to okay. know if $45 for each carry-on, if you have a backpack or a bigger backpack. Um, Arius's diaper bag is free to check on. Strollers are free. Car seats are free. Um, diaper bag, stroller, car seats are free. But um, if you want to do a suitcase, it's $40 to check a large suitcase, but that's checking it, and that can be up to 50 pounds. Or you can bring a backpack, but it needs to fit under the seat, not up above. Because if you're having one that fits up above the seat, it's $45. If you want to check a bag, it's 40 So what do you want to do? Um, I want to do what Eric told her I wanted to do. No, Emma, you're not breaking up. Anyway, um, I want to, <laughs> I would rather just send whatever we need to send in the post office. But, but I don't know. I don't know. Okay, or we could just buy stuff out there. I don't know. I, I don't know, Kim. you got to make a decision because I can't do that while I'm driving a truck. Okay. So, I mean, we do need to take a carry-on to the diaper bag and for whatever uh, medications that we have. Um, I guess. I don't know. So, uh, if you want to take we'll one a, large we suitcase. We will check a large suitcase. Um, um, that we will both pack in and pack areas to stuff in, and we'll bring the diaper bag. Sounds good. All right. Um, do you uh, mind dedicating the program, Kim? Um, sure. I'm trying to respond to her so she can place the order. Okay, I'll just do it. I'll dedicate the program. Okay. And then, Emmett, uh, do you see the uh, in the studio where it talks about, or where the United Order? Yeah, uh, I got really confused for a minute there because I thought we were reading the other one because I didn't notice that you had like changed it. So I was like, wait, where is it? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yesterday we tried to do a, yesterday we tried to do a radio program, but uh, Blog Talk Radio was having issues with allowing us to even call in. So uh, it was pretty ridiculous. Anyway, so um, I was like I said, I was going to do um, sermons and writings, but I felt like this is what we needed to do, United Order. So. I'm kind of going to do both, but we're going to focus mainly on the United Order, trying to do a chapter a day for the days that we can do it. And then I will try to read a couple of talks out of sermons and writings. There's four or five volumes, so it'll take us well into next year to get through that book. And I post everything that I read on um, on Facebook.com, so uh, if I'm reading it, It'll be posted in, uh, in its entirety. The text will for people to read if they don't want to listen to the commentary. So, anyway, all right. So, we're going to be doing uh, United Order Chapter 1. I just noticed them on the radio studio because I do have it pulled up. I can monitor it while I'm driving. 
um, introduction music too, which is the introduction music that we do. It looks like it's turned all the way down. Did you just do that? Yeah. I could hear it though, so I don't know. Oh, I could hear it too. Go ahead and turn that up a quarter, but actually, we'll do that. I'll do that later. I'm not going to worry about it tonight. Okay. Um, all right. I'm just going to dedicate the program and then uh, go ahead. After I say amen, uh, and you say amen, whatever, uh, play the pre-recorded United Order Chapter 1. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank thee, Father, for the restored gospel of the eternities. We thank thee for the atonement of our Redeemer, Yeshua HaMashiach, even Jesus the Christ. We look forward to Zion's redemption. We know that it is only when there is a people who do all that you have commanded that as we establish Zion below, we shall look up and see Zion come down from above, along with the church of the firstborn and all those who convene at the council at Adam and on Diamond. We know that we need to be obedient to thy covenants, thy commandments, and thine instructions to be the tools in thine hand to come bring, help bring about Zion's redemption. We love thee, Father, and we ask for the blessings to be upon the people They hear these things, that they may be edified and be guided in thy spirit. We love thee, Father, and we ask for thy blessings to be upon us. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Okay, Amen. Go ahead. Amen. The United Order by Ogden Kraut. But it is not given that one man should possess that which is above another, wherefore the whole world lieth in sin. Doctrine and Covenants, section 49, verse 20. For if ye are not equal in earthly things, ye cannot be equal in obtaining heavenly things. Doctrine and Covenants, section 78, verse 6. Brethren and sisters, think of these things as the Spirit of the Almighty was in your hearts when you received the laying on of hands and the baptism of the Holy Spirit bearing testimony that the gospel of Jesus Christ was true, seek with all your hearts and know by the same Spirit that the establishment of the United Order is another step towards the triumph of that great and glorious work for which we are continually laboring, namely the dawning of the millennium and the commencement of the reign of Christ upon the earth. And quote, George Albert Smith, Journal of Discourses, volume 17, verse 60, or page 62. September 1983, preface. Nations and empires, like waves of the sea, rise and then fall. As one is swept away, another follows in its wake. Always at the peak of wealth and power, nations collapse through the lust and love of riches. Any nation or individual abandoning righteous principles to acquire or use wealth 
will ultimately suffer calamity. The lust for gold will tarnish its beauty, and men will, with unclean hearts will surely spoil its purpose. They, like Esau of old, can lose an eternal inheritance for a mess of temporal pottage. The fabulous wealth and glory of Solomon is gone. The power of ancient Rome stands in ruins. The majesty of Greece is only a dim reflection, and the beautiful temples of of the ancient Americas are empty. All of these tragedies clearly depict the collapse of a magnificent empire or magnificent empires that fell because of their misuse of wealth. From ancient scriptures and in the records of our own time can be found many examples of men who struggled to build a heavenly society. However, Only a few ever achieve any measure of success until men learn to live by the golden rule rather than to rule with gold, their talents, their industry, their riches, and their culture will fail. Men must learn to bend their will, to love their neighbors as themselves, or their society will remain sick and decadent. Thousands of books have been written on the methods of financing, investing, and the acquisition of monetary success, but very few have ever been written on the Lord's plan for making men happy and wealthy. This is one of them, the author, Ogden Kraut. Chapter 1, page 5, The Introduction. The greatest temporal and spiritual blessings which always come from faithfulness and uh, concerted effort never attend individual exertion or enterprise. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 183. One of the most noticeable differences between Mormonism and other religions is the close relationship between the spiritual and the temporal. Mormonism is not just an uh, ethereal, mystic, or philosophical religion, religion, but rather a practical down-to-earth religion that that ran deal with dollars and rents, butter and beans, parcels of real estate, or heavenly kingdoms, because a religion that cannot help people temporally has little power to help them spiritually. Mormonism embraces both practicality and spirituality. In a doctrinal dissertation by Dean, uh, Dean D. McBrien, it was noted that in the 112th revelations, in the 112 revelations to Joseph Smith, 88 dealt in part or wholly with economic matters. This is not out of harmony with the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. For one verse in every six deals with the money question. Out of the 29 parables of Christ, 16 of them mention the Christian and his money. Page 6. 
The Lord also made it clear that all things unto me are spiritual. Doctrine and Covenants, section 29, verse 34. Therefore, we must conclude that the United Order, the raising of food and families, and the creation of worlds is centered within the spiritual realm of both God and man. This was explained by Brigham Young, who without a doubt was one of the wisest practical-minded leaders who ever lived. He could preach a sermon describing an angel and in the same sermon counsel his fellow brethren on how to raise chickens or irrigate their farms. He said, we cannot talk about spiritual things without connecting them with them temporal things. Neither can we talk about temporal things without connecting spiritual things with them. They are inseparably connected. Journal of Discourses, Volume 10, page 329. Men of every class, from wild aborigines to the most sophisticated educators, have sought for better methods of economically and politically regulating society. Billions of dollars and as many lives have been spent in the struggle to reach a fair and prosperous commonwealth. Yet history is a continual record of wars, depressions, crime, and injustice. Even with all that has, even with all the vast riches in technology, the nations of the world today are in a worse financial and moral condition than ever before because of the inequality of wealth. Men must first understand their purpose in life rather than seeking for, ple- for the pleasure of wealth and luxury. Indeed, the reason for mortality is a test to see if man will adopt God's laws in his temple affairs. Page 7. The scriptures direct men to look for a holy city and a new nation, much superior to all others. God has not been unmindful nor negligent in directing men in how to achieve this society. In fact, he has revealed a preponderant number of laws, principles, and ordinances for achieving such a civilization. In man's search for a utopian society, where everyone had sufficient for their needs, many socialistic and cooperative efforts under many different names have been attempted. Throughout the centuries, only a few ever tasted success. In the study of the economic doctrines of Mormonism, there have been four basic programs designed to alleviate this age-old problem. There have been tithing, cooperatives, United Orders, and Consecrations. Tithing called for a tenth to be donated from out of the annual increase of their production. Cooperatives of various kinds attempt to bring some equalization through stocks, shareholding, and trading. An assortment of rules and bylaws were adopted by many different United Orders in an attempt to make a fair distribution of wealth. Consecration was the most difficult, for it required offering everything of a temporal nature, including 
the giving of a man's time, talents, possessions, even to the sacrificing of his whole self. The success of any of these systems could only be achieved by believing and understanding that, number one, the earth and all therein is the Lord's. Number two, that all men are the children of God. Number three, that every man is a free agent. Number four, that the responsibility of government should rest primarily with each individual. Page eight. One of the main functions of the United Order is to utilize the abilities of everyone, including the weak, the poor, and the unemployed. It is a cooperative plan designed to improve the character and talents of all who enter into it. Its purpose is to improve each member financially, socially, morally, and spiritually. When it functions properly, there is an absence of crime, corruption, and political schemers. Neither are there any poor nor rich. When a community has achieved these objectives, it can be called a Zion. But selfish dictators and bureaucrats create most of the troubles on the earth. Their socialism, fascism, and communism communism are counterfeits for the United Order. Yet these corrupt and evil conspiracies are dominating the nations of the world today. They have rejected God's plan for freedom, peace, and prosperity, but they won't find these conditions in the course they pursue. The Lord, who created the heavens and the earth, has declared that the earth is full with enough to spare. Doctrine and Covenants, section 104, verse 17. Yet greed and selfishness have resulted in some who are rich, while millions live in wholesale poverty. Even Mormons have strayed so far from those divine principles that they often say that united orders cannot be lived in our time, or that it has been revoked or that those doctrines have been substituted by something else. These are expressions of ignorance or confessions of personal weakness. The laws of the gospel are eternal. Righteous people should attempt to live the gospel regardless of the time, circumstances, or the influence of the world. God never revokes, changes, or alters his eternal laws. Only his blessings are revoked when his children fail to abide by his laws. See Doctrine and Covenants, section 58, verse 32. Page 9. Certainly men who bear the priesthood should obey the laws of the priesthood, or it is possible for men to enter, or is it possible for men to enter the celestial kingdom by not living celestial laws? Can man hope to dwell with all the ancient prophets by living a different set of laws and principles than they did? If we live according to the traditions, customs, and regulations of Gentile society, can we expect to gain a different reward than they? It is not riches alone, 
but the lust for riches that overcome the human will. The love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. So when men idolize riches, they will condescend to any evil means to obtain them. President John Taylor described our society by saying, The fact of the matter is this. We are all of us on the highway to financial or temporal ruin. The world is going to the devil just as fast as it can go. Corruption, fraud, chicanery, deception, evil and iniquity of every kind prevail so that you cannot trust a man in any place. You cannot rely upon his word. You cannot rely upon any instrument of writing that he gets up. And there is nothing you can rely upon. We as a people have come have come out of Babylon, but we have brought a great amount of these infernal principles with us. And we have been grabbing, gasping, pinching, squeezing, hauling, homing, and hooking on every side, and it seems as though every man was for himself and the devil for us all. Page 10. That is about the position we are in today. We want to change in these things. Journal of Discourses, Volume 17, page 49. Our light should no longer be hid under a bushel. A major mission for the Latter-day Saints is not only to teach, but to live an example of correct spiritual and temporal principles Nearly every law of God has become foreign to our society, and if men do not rise up to protect themselves from the evil schemes and financial messes of the world, they must suffer the fate of Babylon when she falls. Thus, this book is written to convey information regarding this important principle. The first half deals with a... Um, condensed history of the United Order while the last half explains its principles chapter 2 right so that was chapter 1 of United Order Um, this is the book that I've chosen to read Um, yesterday we had some issues with the program I was going to read sermons and writings Um, But as I was driving last night, um, well, we had technical difficulties, like Blog Talk Radio wasn't letting us call into the radio show, and I tried rescheduling it uh, to a later time, and it still wouldn't let us call in. So I decided um, just to forego the program last night. But as I was driving last night, I was thinking about this book. And so this is the book we're going to... Uh, we're going to read now the United Order. Um, I am going to read. Um, I'm going to read writings and sermons, um, and I'm going to add them to the program. Uh, but it won't be. It'll be. You know, I'll read one or two talks out of it um, when I can and add them to the program. But the United Order will come first. So. 
Anyway, um, here is chapter two. The uh, how do you say? This is the um, the preview for the next program that we do. And um, if anybody wants to call in, the guest call in number is nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven. That's nine one seven eight eight nine eight eight two seven. Um, after you call in, if you do want to come on the program uh, on the program live, just push one, and we'll bring you up. Um, if you want to ask a question or make a comment off the air, then uh, stay on the program until the music plays to end the program, and then push one and I will put it, you in the call screening room, and I will go in the call screening room while the music is playing, and uh, we can talk. So uh, I want to offer that uh, for people who are nervous about going on the air live. I understand. Back in the day, um, I used to call into a program called Coast to Coast and talk to Art Bell and George Norrie and Ian Punnett and... Every time I called into the program, I would have my heart just beating out of my chest. And it it was ridiculous. Because the way I look at it now that I'm a radio host, this is like a phone call that everybody can hear. Unless we're in the call screening room, then it's not recorded or anything like that. But... I just look at this as like I'm on the phone, and that's actually how I I do this. I actually have my wife and my son, uh, or one or the other usually, will run the studio, and I call in with my Bluetooth headset, and it's just a phone call conversation. Uh, That's the way I look at it, and then it's published for the whole world to listen, but not very many people listen. I mean relatively few in in number as far as like i don't know there are some days there might be 50 people who listen sometimes there might be 500 people who listen but it varies so much that it's just it's not a lot of people when you consider the population of the world or even the population of the church so but um it's just a phone call And we're just having a conversation. So if you want to be part of that conversation, like I said, call 917-889-8827. There is also a chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon that you can go and find the chat room during the live broadcast of these programs. And I try to go on at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 7 p.m. Pacific on the days when I do this. Also, before I read chap- uh, the first part of Chapter 2, um, there is... Let me think here. A page on Facebook that I run. There's actually several pages on Facebook that I run. Um, and I try to post the programs and what we're going to be reading for each day uh, on those pages for people to follow. Um, the one page that I really suggest people follow is called Zion's Redemption Radio Network or Zion's Redemption Bookstore. And uh, I try to post the text and the uh, information about the radio shows 
um, before I do the radio show so you can read along with the program. Also, um, I have several groups on Facebook. Uh, my two main popular groups are LDS Gospel Mysteries and LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions. Both of those groups, I post the full text and the radio show with the audio to those programs. So um, if you follow those groups, there's lots of discussions in those groups. And let me just warn you that this is Latter-day Saints as a whole, not just one branch of the Restoration. So out of Nauvoo, many branches came out of Nauvoo from the, of the Restoration. You've got the Strangites and the, the I don't know, Sig, uh, the Rigdonites and the, all these different groups. You know, the, the groups of uh, the Community of Christ is a branch of the Restoration. The Bergamite branch is headquartered in Salt Lake City, Utah. And then there's many breakoffs of those, uh, of that branch which we call fundamentalists, uh, independent fundamentalists. You've got uh, fundamentalists from the uh, FLDS church, and you've got the AUB, and you've got the Peterson group or the righteous branch of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, You've got a lot of different groups, and you have a lot of different independent fundamentalists, too, that believe in Joseph Smith as a prophet, but they don't... uh, they're not part of any church. You also have the what I refer to as the Snufferites. I know they don't like to be called that. And you have other groups as well. Everybody who believes that Joseph Smith was a prophet is invited to participate in the discussion in those groups. And what I see is that some people from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints get all bent out of shape when they hear anybody else's opinions or thoughts in those groups, and they think that the group is all for them. But let me tell you that Latter-day Saints come from every branch of the Restoration. They can be independents, they can be uh, members of that church, uh, or they can be members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is headquartered in Wisconsin. Just because you're a member of one branch of the Restoration doesn't mean you have all truth. So I allow people, uh, anybody who believes in the Restoration or is interested in the Restoration to be in my groups and to have a say as long as they don't name call or bring up a bunch of political stuff then I'm pretty okay with people being in those groups uh, I have other groups too also you can follow me on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash L-A-Z U-R-U-S 1977 I always post every single radio show that I'm going to do along with the text usually, to what I'm going to be reading. And I post a lot of other comments there as well, Uh, things that I've written in the past, uh, articles or notes or blogs or whatever. And then sometimes I'll read other people's blogs and stuff, and I find stuff interesting, like Rob Kay's Mormon Yeshiva is one of them. I really like his stuff. Um, I used to read Pure Mormonism, uh, although I haven't seen a lot of stuff by um, Alan Rockwaterman lately, but I uh, will post a lot of other stuff in there as well. And things I'm interested in, you know, music sometimes, 
or memes or whatever, things that I think are funny, I'll post on my page. Now, there are almost 5,000 people on that, uh, on that, you know, on my Facebook. If there are too many people, you can always follow me. I actually have like 600 followers who do not, are not friends of mine on Facebook, and you can follow me the, uh, as well. You can also follow my page, Messiah Ben Joseph. All right, so let's get into uh, the preview, which is chapter 2, which starts on page 11. Now, also, one other thing. You can read these books for free online by typing in ogdenkraut.com. That's O-G-D-E-N-K-R-A-U-T.com. And uh, once you get on to his main page... Click on Read Books Online or Read Ogden's Books, and you'll see a whole list of books that he wrote on so many different subjects of the Restoration. Everything from plural celestial marriage to blood atonement and what that is uh, to United Orders. There's a ton of stuff. Uh, Michael Adam talks about the Adam-God doctrine as it was taught and... Uh, as things have changed throughout the years, how it has been uh, addressed by church leaders. So uh, I really suggest people go and take a look at that as well. All right, so uh, let me just read. This is a preview, and then uh, we'll see if we can take phone calls. Chapter 2, Capital Wealth, A Blessing or a Cursing. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth, loveth abundance with increase. Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, chapter 5, verse 10. If you had been a male born in a, an Assyrian 1,500 years before Christ, you probably would have been raised as a soldier for the rest of your life. You never would have learned a trade or owned a business. If you had been born in Egypt... In the height of its glory, you probably would have been raised in the rock quarries, the mines, or as a farm slave and would have lived in a mud hut. The pharaoh would have accumulated any excess profits, for he had assumed the position of a god, and you never would own a piece of ground. If you had lived in Athens, you would have been a slave to a huge bureaucratic group who exploited the masses by robbing them of their wealth and liberties. Being born in the Roman Empire would have offered you little more. Uh, the empires, the emperors were corrupt dictators, extrica- uh, extracting money from the citizens by numerous and unreasonable taxes. The wealth of the Roman financed a huge government and innumerable soldiers with all its barbarianism and corruption. In the Dark Ages, you would have been a serf under a feudal system, and all the wealth produced would be taken by feudal lords. If you are born in the Orient, anciently or presently, you likely would have no more prosperity than a few days of extra food. So that's the uh, the preview. And then um, uh, 
if we have any phone calls. So I'm actually pre-recording this for tonight's program. Uh, and tonight is August 26, 2021. Hopefully we won't have any problems with uh, with the program again tonight like we had last night. But if we don't have any phone calls, um, then I am going to uh, just play the audio for Sermons and Writings Volume 1, which I've already pre-recorded as well. So, all right, let's go to that point. Okay, Emmett, uh, do you see anybody in the call room or in the chat room? Uh, nope, I was in the middle of making some. You're doing what? Oh, it looks like Emmett just dropped off on the call. That's weird. Um, okay, so uh, we'll wait for Emmett to come back on, but um, I guess we don't have anybody in the chat room or uh, no call in, whatever. Um, I will say a couple of things before we go to the other pre-recorded portion of the program. Um, so the two scriptures that uh, we opened up with is, it is not given for one man to own that which is above another, wherefore the whole world lieth in sin. And if you will be a Zion people, you must be equal in all things. Uh, one of the problems that I have with most of the Restoration churches is the wealth of its leaders. Uh, they seem to think that they are entitled to a huge living stipend uh, up in the six digits. Uh, in the Brighamite branch of the LDS church headquartered on 50, uh, 50 West, uh, let me think. I think it's 50 North uh, Temple, whatever, downtown Salt Lake. Um, the first two quorums of 70s uh, have between, I think it's between 50 to $80,000. Uh, that's their living stipend. Uh, and then the quorums below them, uh, the third and, and fourth and whatever, Quorums of 70s, they don't get anything. They have to volunteer their time and whatever. Um, but then the corporation of the first presidency, along with the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, they do receive a six-figure income uh, for their, um, you know, their endeavors. Now, um, I know that God is no respecter of persons, and that in order for us to have uh, united orders, we must follow the instructions given to us by the revelations that Joseph Smith received from Jesus Christ, and that God is no respecter of persons. Um, and I believe it's wrong for the leaders of the church to uh, take as, as huge of a living stipend. They should be living in united orders and being taken care of in that way. But um, but then we have other extremely wealthy members of the of the church, the Marriott, who actually my wife uh, was raised, my mother-in-law was a housekeeper for them. And I wish Kim was on the program. She could tell you stories about their estate up in, I think it was New Hampshire, um, which is where she's from, upstate New Hampshire, upstate New York. Um, but, you know, like 
these people are extremely wealthy, and they do contribute a huge portion of tithings to the church, which is good. But then on the other hand, we have extremely impoverished people who are expected to pay a tithe, and there is a scripture that talks about the leaders of my people grinding the face of the poor, and that people who do not have an increase should not be paying tithing regardless of what what some president of the church says. Uh, those are my opinions. Um, I also believe that each ward uh, should take the 10% of their tithing uh, that should be kept in the, um, the ward house, and, and 10% of that 10% should be given to the stakes, and then 10% of what the stakes receive should be given to the corporation of the first presidency and the general authorities for helping them in their uh, endeavors to do what they are supposed to be doing. But um, Joseph Smith talked about how uh, the leaders of the church were not to have a home in Zion, that they were supposed to be traveling ministers. And in fact, the 70s were called apostles as well. Uh, they are a quorum of apostles, and that the 70s were supposed to be the ones that went out as missionaries to gather uh, to gather people and to uh, prepare the way for the apostles to come and to uh, minister to the people, which is the true order of the way things were uh, supposed to be, uh, according to the instructions given by the prophet Joseph Smith. And one of the problems we have in the church today is that you have a correlation committee and they just, uh, you know, they, they want you to know about some things. They'll cherry pick and all this stuff, uh, but they will not. Um, they don't want you to know everything. And I was listening to Radio Free Mormon last night, which uh, I really love his podcast and uh, Mormon Stories with John DeLynn, who I... I don't really like him, but I do um, I do listen to him um, and Bill Real and all these guys. And um, they just they talk about things that the church is gaslighting its members. And they were talking about RFM was talking about the um, how the church is like being in sixth grade, and they don't want you to know about anything higher than sixth grade. Um, you know, they want to keep you in sixth grade all of your, uh, for all eternity, but that there's more than what they teach. And um, that's true. And you know what? This, this is uh, higher education. This is for the people who are ready to hear the meat of the gospel and to consider it. And I wish that people would uh, stop following men and follow God. I, I feel like the church is a great test. You know, the church, they'll follow the laws of man over the laws of God. And it's a great test to see who is actually going to be obedient to the laws of God. And I feel like, for, for the most part, the independent fundamentalists, as well as the other fundamentalists, they treat try to keep the laws of God as they should be lived. So, all right, we don't have anybody in the chat room, and we don't have anybody who's called in. Um, Emmett, go ahead and play 825, and 
uh, I am not going to be able to be on the radio program because I'm about to go up to Klitschapa. I'm at the 10-yard right now. I'm headed to Sufco, and it is not uh, that I'm just going to break up, so I won't even be on the program. So as soon as that recording is finished playing, go ahead and play the end music, and then we'll try to be back on on uh, Monday, but I don't know how next week's going to be. So, all right, I'm going to mute it and go ahead and play that, uh, that pre-recorded audio clip. And go ahead and mute your phone as well, because I can hear you breathing like crazy, so that needs to stop. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> okay, sorry. I, I ran... I wasn't in the same room as my tablet, so I ran to go and get my tablet. And I guess there was a dead spot somewhere in between here and there because my phone just cut out completely. <laughs> so sorry about that earlier, but I'm playing now. Sermons and Writings, Volume 1, 1840 to 1850. I combat the errors of ages. I meet the violence of mobs. I cope with illegal proceedings from executive authority. I cut the the Gordian knot of powers, and I solve mathematical problems of universities with truth, diamond truth, and God is my right-hand man. Joseph Smith, Life of Joseph Smith the Prophet by George Q. Cannon, page 432, compiled and published by Ogden Kraut. Numbers in the brackets are page numbers, January 1994. I mourn for the depravity of the world. I despise the hypocrisy of Christendom. I hate the imbecility of American statesmen. I detest the shrinkage of candidates for office From pledges and responsibility, I long for the day of righteousness when he whose right it is to reign shall judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And I pray God, who hath given our Father a promise of a perfect government in the last days, to purify the hearts of the people and hasten the welcome day. Joseph Smith, Times and Seasons, Volume 2, page 548. Preface. It is a pleasure to present the the first in a series of several volumes containing sermons and writings of early LDS church leaders for about a 50-year period of time from 1840 to 1890. The source material for this collection are generally rare and expensive and are becoming more and more difficult to obtain, i.e. Millennial Star, 1840 to uh, 1970, The Times and Seasons, 1839 to 1846, The Wilford Woodruff Journals, 1833 to 1898, Deseret News, 1850 to present, Pioneer Journals, 1840 to 1890, Manuscript Histories, 1840 to 1890. Sermons included in the Journal of Discourses and subsequent discourse compilations are not reprinted here. 
with the exception of a few select items from the 1830s to provide some interesting historical background, this first volume contains information from 1840 through 1850. The content is mostly historical, instructional, and doctrinal. It is not only interesting, but pertinent to the saints of today. The two major sources for this collection are early issues of the Millennial Star and the Deseret News. To emphasize the validity and the importance of these long-term periodicals, the following two quotes are included here. Quote, The Millennial Star was the first foreign publica publication of the church. It was issued at first as a monthly but afterwards, more frequently, semi-monthly, and finally, and now for many years, a weekly publication. Its publication has been continuous from the time it was started in May of 1840 at Manchester, England, until the present 1929, when the CHC, or Correlated History of the Church, was being written. Also, the star has retained the general character imparted to it by its first publishers. The Millennial Star said its propitious will stand aloof from the common political and commercial news of the day. Its columns will be devoted to the spread of the fullness of the gospel and the restoration of ancient principles of Christianity. The gathering of Israel, the rolling forth of the kingdom of God among the nations, the signs of the times, the fulfillment of prophecy, recording the judgments of God as they befall the nations, whether signs in the heavens or in the earth, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke, in short, Whatever is shown forth indicative of the, the coming of the Son of Man and the ushering in of his universal reign upon the earth. Comprehensive, Comprehensive History of the Church, Volume 2, page 86. Quote, He, speaking of Heber C. Kimball, then spoke to the Deseret News and encouraged the people to take that paper said it was one of the best papers in print as it would af afford information from all the settlements in the mountains and also the most important news of the world. Also the sermons which were delivered at the stand each Sabbath which were filled with inspiration of the Holy Ghost and would be profitable to future generations who would think more of them than the present generation does. Journal of Mary Ellen Kimball, published by Pioneer Press, 1994, page 48. In his day, B.H. Roberts considered the Deseret News as the church organ. That is to say, it was the medium through which the church administration, the first presidency, continued to disseminate the official communications to the church the only sense in which there has ever been a periodical recognized as a church organ by the church or its authorities. 
Correlated History of the Church, Volume 6, page 360. With this in mind, it is hoped that the messages presented in this and subsequent volumes will be informative and enlightening to those who read them. The Publisher, Ogden Kraut. Revelation to Joseph Smith, January 12, 1833, Kirtland, Ohio. Thus saith the Lord, the time has now come when a decision of such a council would not answer for Zion and all her stakes. What will answer for, the state, uh, for Zion and all her stakes? Thus saith the Lord, let the first presidency of my church be held in full fellowship in Zion and all her stakes until they shall be found transgressors by such an high council as in, is named in the third section, 37th verse of the Book of Covenants, in Zion by three witnesses, standing against each member of the said presidency, and said witnesses shall be of long and faithful standing, and such also as cannot be impeached by other witnesses before said council. And when a decision is had by such a council in Zion, it shall only be for Zion. It shall not answer for her stakes. But if said decision be acknowledged by the council of her stakes, then it shall be, or then it shall answer for her stakes. But if it is not acknowledged by the stakes, then such stakes may have the privilege of hearing for themselves, or if said decision shall be acknowledged by a majority of her stakes, then let it answer for all her stakes. And again, the presidency of said church may be tried by the voice of the whole body of the Church of Zion and the voice of the majority of all her stakes, and again, except a majority is had by the voice of the Church of Zion and the majority of all her stakes, the charges will not be considered, will not, I'm sorry, the charges will not cons be considered not sustained. Page 8. And in order to sustain such charges or uh, charge or charges before said Church of Zion or her stakes, such witnesses must be had as is, a name, as is named above, that is, three witnesses to each president who are of long and faithful standing that cannot be impeached by other witnesses before the Church of Zion or her stakes. And all of the, and all this saith the Lord, because of wicked and aspiring men, let all your doings be in meekness and humility before me, even so, amen. And quote from the scriptory of uh, book of Joseph Smith, pages uh, fifty one and fifty two, LDS Church Archives, Salt Lake City, Utah. David Whitmer's experience with the prophet Joseph. Before I knew Joseph, I had learned about him from the plates 
from persons who declared they knew he had them and swore they would get them from him. When Oliver Caldery went to Pennsylvania, he promised to write me what he should learn about these matters, which he did. He wrote me that Joseph had told him his secret thoughts, speaking of Oliver, and all that he had meditated about going to see him, which no man on earth knew, as he supposed, but himself, and so stopped to write for Joseph. When I arrived at Harmony, Joseph and Oliver were coming towards me and met me some distance from the house. Oliver told me that Joseph had informed him when I started from home, where I had stopped the first night, how I read the sign at the tavern, where I stopped the next night, etc., and that I would be there that day before dinner, and this is why they had come out to meet me. All of which was exactly as Joseph had told Oliver, at which I was greatly astonished. Elder's Journal, Volume 4, page 16, May 15, 1907. Oliver Caldry's Testimony of the Savior and John the Baptist. On reflecting further, it was, it was as easy to be seen that amidst the great strife and noise concerning religion, none had authority from God to administer the ordinances of the gospel. For the question might be asked, Have men authority to administer in the name of Christ? who deny revelation, when his testimony is no less than the spirit of prophecy and his religion barred, built, and sustained by immediate revelations in all ages of the world, when he has had a people on the earth. If these facts were buried and carefully concealed by men whose craft would have been in danger, if once permitted to shine in the faces of men, they were no longer to us, and we only waited for the commandment to be given, Arise and be baptized. This was not long desired before it was realized. The Lord, who is rich in mercy and ever willing to answer the consistent prayers of the humble, after we had called upon him, in fervent ma- in a fervent man- manner, aside from the abodes of men, condescended to manifest us his will. On a sudden, as from the midst of eternity, the voice of the Redeemer spake peace to us, while the veil was parted, and the angel of God came down clothed with glory, and delivered the anxiously looked-for message, and the keys of the gospel of repentance. What joy, what wonder, what amazement. While the world were wracked and distracted, while millions were groping as the blind for the wall, and while all men were resting upon uncertainty as a general mass, our eyes beheld and our ears heard as in the blaze of day, yes, more above the glitter of the, of the May sunbeam, which then shed its brilliancy over the face of nature. Then his voice, though mild, 
pierced to the center, and his words, I am thy fellow servant, dispelled every fear. We listened. We gazed with that. We gazed, we admired. Twas the voice of the angel from glory. Twas a message from the Most High. And as we heard, we rejoiced, while his love enkindled upon our souls, and we were wrapped in the vision of the Almighty. Where was room for doubt? Nowhere. Uncertainty had fled. Doubt had sunk. No more to rise, while fiction and deception had fled forever. But, dear brother, think further. Think for a moment what joy filled our hearts, and with what surprise we must have bowed. For who would not have bowed the knee for such a blessing when we received under his hand the holy priesthood, as he said, Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer this priesthood with the authority which shall remain upon the earth, that the sons of Levi may yet offer an offering unto the Lord in righteousness. I shall not attempt to paint paint you I shall not attempt to paint to you the feeling of this heart, nor the majesty majestic beauty and glory which surrounded us on this occasion but you will believe me when i say that earth nor men with the eloquence of time cannot begin to clothe language in as interesting and sublime a manner as this holy personage no nor has this earth power to give the joy to bestow the peace and comprehend the wisdom which was contained in each sentence as they were delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man may deceive his fellow man. Deception may follow deception. And the children of the wicked one may have power to seduce the foolish and untaught, till not, but fiction feeds the many and the fruit of falsehood carries in its current the giddy to the grave. But one touch with the finger of his love, yes, one ray of glory from the upper world, or one word from the mouth of the Savior, from the bosom of eternity, strikes it all into insignificance, and blasts it forever from the mind. The assurance that we were in the presence of an angel, the certainty that we had heard the voice of Jesus, and the truth unsullied as it flowed from a pure personage dictated by the will of God is to me past description. And I shall ever look upon this expression of, of the Savior's goodness with wonder and thanksgiving while I am permitted to tarry and in those mansions where perfection dwells and sin never comes, I hope to adore in that day which shall never cease. End quote. Times and Seasons, Volume 2, page 201.